Welcome to the Backdrop, untold stories in golf. I'm your host and co-founder of New Club Golf Society, Matt Considine. Today, we have two very special guests. As prep for this week's Ryder Cup, we thought, hey, let's not speculate on the Ryder Cup. Let's talk to someone who has actually been inside the ropes of the Ryder Cup. So the co-host from the Clubs and Corks podcast, Ben Curtis and Luke Taylor, join us on today's show. Ben Curtis is best known for his 2003 Open Championship breakthrough victory at Royal St. George. He was also a part of that Paul Azinger-led 2008 Ryder Cup team at Valhalla, bringing home the cup, including a decisive victory 2-1 over European stalwart Lee Westwood. Luke Taylor, his pal and co-host, attended DePaul here in Chicago, where he became the men's tennis coach upon graduation. Luke eventually got himself into the wine business and now hosts the popular Cork and Taylor Wine Podcast. With his reverent takes and vino expertise, Luke Taylor's a hoot. On the show, we talk with Ben about his alma mater and the culture of his Kent State golf program that is a mid-major program in Northeast Ohio, consistently producing PGA Tour winners for decades. Pretty amazing when you think about it. Uh, then we jump to his 2003 win at the Open before reflecting on his 08 Ryder Cup experience and what both Ben and Luke expect to see at Whistling this upcoming weekend. Speaking of Whistling and the conditions out there are Whistling in the Midwest, absolutely prime time. New club members that are racking up their season-long points will be Whistling all their way, all the way to our club championship finales quickly approaching in Chicago on October 3rd and 4th and Atlanta on November 3rd. This year, our official partner of the new club match play club championship is you guessed it. Our friends and distillers at journeyman distillery founders, Bill and Joanna Welter are living their legacy and creating a 100 year brand for the ages. 100% family owned and operated. They pride themselves on reinventing historic structures and revitalizing their communities. Journeyman combines a passion for world-class craft spirits, the greatest game of golf, and authentic Midwestern hospitality. At the Featherbone Factory in Three Oaks, Michigan, Journeyman has created a destination experience with a full-service, family-friendly restaurant. My daughter loves the lights there. I don't know why, but yes, it's a great spot for families. It's award-winning event spaces, distillery tours, and tastings, plus our personal favorite, a 30,000-square-foot putting green called Welter's Folly that pulls together to the full immersion of the making and creating at Journeyman. We'll be there October 3rd after the club championship qualifiers complete their stroke play session at Chickamine Country Club, a true hidden gem just down the street. Uh, and we hope to see all our members there. Uh, it's a quick drive from Chicago, about an hour and 15 from the, the city center, and um, it's well worth it. So I hope we see all of our members and their guests out there rolling the rock on Welter's Folly uh, for our season-ending party that afternoon, October 3rd at Journeyman. Tickets are now available on the registration page. Now, without further ado, on to the Ryder Cup preview show. Ben Curtis, Luke Taylor, BC and LT, welcome to the bag drop. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is going to be fun. LT, yeah. huh? Yeah. The, the original, original, the clean one, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> same skin complexion, too. Yeah. I'm sure he, same 40 time, too. Um, depends on what I'm going running after. <laughs> Piece of cake, hell yeah, I'll beat him all day. <laughs> BC, does anyone ever use that for you, Ben? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was you know, halfway through college and then it became Benny boy. I don't know. It, it changes all the time, but yeah. Are there many nicknames out on tour? 
I mean, like the ones that we don't hear. Yeah, there are, um, <laughs> but probably the ones you don't. Yeah, I'm not going to say the ones you <laughs> give us one. Give us one. No, no, I ain't doing that. What's Tom? I ain't starting a war. What, what's Thomas Bjorn's nickname? The Dane, I think. <laughs> I think that's what they call him, the Dane. Yeah, yeah. I call him Sand Trap. Yeah. <laughs> sure, he appreciates that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you. So you does guys, so does Bernice up here? <laughs> yeah, I bet you you boys are the co-hosts of the Clubs and Corks podcast. Uh, I think I was the uh, beneficiary of must've been a scheduling issue or something, but I got to be a, a guest on your show. Um, it was, it was a delight and you guys are a big time podcast. I mean, your guests, uh, are in the golf world are, are names that everyone's gonna know and, and, um, probably would love to hear from. So I, uh, I just want to thank you guys for being on the show this morning. First off, off the bat, awesome. I wanted to hear how you guys got into the podcast game because, you know, Luke, you're in the wine, you're a wine purveyor, Ben, you're a, a multi-winner on the PGA Tour. How did you guys uh, decide to, to go this route? Through wine, wasn't it? Yeah. So I have a, I have a yeah. wine podcast, um, Cork and Taylor Wine Podcast. He was my first ever guest. And uh, we met through a mutual friend who we had on the show. We call him the matchmaker, Ron DiGiacomo. Beautiful hair, beautiful hair. He's got yeah. beautiful flowing hair. Shout out to Ronnie Giacomo. So where I was, uh, it was funny. It was in, uh, what October last year. I was cleaning my gutters, doing leaves. I probably should have just kept cleaning leaves. I text him, hey, you want to do it? He's like, oh, let me think about it. Let's talk. And we talked. He's like, yeah, why not? So here we are. It's, it's been downhill ever <laughs> <Here> since. <laughs> about a year later, here we are. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> you know, you guys are, are, are a bit of the odd couple, I have to say. When, uh, but it, Never heard that before. It's like, it's like, um, you know, I hope you both take these as compliments. It's like Dean and Jerry, you know, that, that was Who's that? the odd man. Dean? straight. Dean Who's that? I thought you were going to say Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> you, you, so we, both, we both love Vermont. Yeah. <laughs> and ice cream. Oh, like uh, Jerry Lewis and uh, Dean Martin. There you go. Yeah. So which one would he be and which one would I be? You figure it out. Come on, Luke. You know the answer. I like kids more than he does. Well, maybe not. <laughs> you do teach him. I just have them. Well, you do too. Yeah, we kind of are the odd couple. Everybody yeah. that I've talked to, like uh, Mark Surak, some other guys that know him well, um, you know, he's more quiet. I'm not. Yeah. You know, let's be honest. It's all right. Yeah, that's great. It works. Yeah. It works. Opposites yeah. attract. Well, look at Mike and Mike on Golick and Greenberg. I mean, you can't get more opposite. Yeah. The Ivy League guy. North, well, I mean, North obviously he went to Northwestern, yeah, but kind of, you know, that. And then you got Golick, who's all time man's man, right? <laughs> Problem, the problem is neither of us went to any Ivy League close to schools. Well, I mean, let's well, be Kent honest. State, I mean, it's a University of Illinois. Kent yeah. State like that, Ben? Come on. Yeah. No, no it's, we, it's a great on. school. We got communications, two degrees, and recreational management, to one degree. That puts us together as one, one and a half smart people or half a smart person. What was your GPA when you graduated? I did graduate. I got into <laughs> grad school, so obviously higher than the three. Thank you. So I, I, I'm... Uh, you know, in the podcast game now for three years, I, I like what we do. We kind of have our niche in the untold stories of golf. And um, I wanted to ask who you guys have really enjoyed having on your podcast. I mean, you guys are going strong now and, and I've seen some big time guests, but wh who, who did you really enjoy uh, having the conversation with? And, and um, some of your favorite. Well, we'll probably have two different guests here, but, but yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed Hill Irwin or as you call Hal, Hal Irwin, but, I enjoyed him and it's just his stories and his background and, you know, what he went through and, you know, had a 50-year playing career <laughs> very successfully. 
So that was kind of unique, different. I mean, um, Jason Day making fun of us before we started our very yeah. first show. That yeah. was fun. We've gotten but, better in technology. You, you know, that. but, you know, some th- small things like that that make it memorable for sure. Yeah, Jason Day, he said we look like two old for- farts that don't know shit about technology. A little bit of a technical glitch for about the <laughs> it was supposed to be an hour interview. We had him for the main and our bonus with our Patreon site. And um, yeah, we only got 27 minutes. So uh, that was a really good one. You know what? I, I the one some of the ones I really like are, you know, yours, your story. I mean, you, you, that's kind of a, a double sided question when you ask us who are some of our favorite guests. We got to see you, obviously. Well, I mean, I, I wasn't fishing, you know, but I'll be yeah, a compliment. You know, Mike, you know, Michael Consonite. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, is that that's a power move you invite people i just want some free norca i still haven't got any damn free norca well we I, he I, said I, he was going to put together a pack for me i know so waiting um okay let me think about that uh i really liked hal Irwin. hale was a little bit better than hal no but i mean you know the ones i kind of like i liked ricky elliott because ricky's just nuts i mean uh, he would be fun to no uh, he wouldn't be fun he, he'd be difficult to keep drinking uh, keep up drinking with but just hearing you know what i love to hear the stories about him because he's very modest. He's quiet. Uh, he doesn't say much about his past. I mean, for a while, he was kind of the shit. Yeah. But now, I don't know what you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, but just here, because he won't talk about him. And like the funny story about how, Ricky, you went on a run, and Ricky's bank manager said, I think we got a problem. You got all this money in your bank account. So I, I guess I got a better appreciation. Yeah, who, whoever gets a call for having, getting too much money into the Well, I think account. there was just, large, well, no, I think there was large. <laughs> it's like when it goes the other way, right? It's withdrawn well, out. Yeah, I think it was just large, credit card statement goes way up. Yeah, large deposits. Yeah. You know, some right. of the ladies we've had on the on the uh, podcast, those are, that was really interesting. Yeah, Jan was awesome. Jan was yeah. awesome. Lisa, well, she's, you, she's from Michigan. That's why. Well, she's from Canada. Yeah. Well, Canada, but she's at the University of Michigan, yeah. which. Justin Lauer would just drop today. Uh, well, we don't know when you're putting this out, but he uh, just got his PGA Tour card, which was nice. And we got Brandon Wu coming up uh, a couple weeks. I guess, yeah, I guess all the guests have really shared. Oh, we got Bob Vokey. Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. I mean, Tom Doak. I mean. Where do you stop? Yeah, I know. Mike Weir. Okay. I mean, you can just keep going. <laughs> Derek Anders. I mean, everybody's been, you know what I love about it is I hear more about him. I learn more about him. But we learn about the guests and we're, you know. When we started um, talking about this podcast, like, let's not go for the stars. I mean, he's well-connected. I know a few people, too. Believe it or not, I've gotten quite a few guests, too. Just want to throw that out there. I don't know. Um, Because I just don't say no. I did get Hale Irwin. Thank you. (laughs) You said um, Ben just pressed record. And I I imagine that a lot of those names you just listed were probably Ben's pals. Maybe maybe just over 50%. Yeah. Believe it or not, you'd be surprised. All right, all right, fair enough. Luke. I know Luke will stock them out though. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. The wine community is well connected. Yeah, and that's the thing. If like Mike Weir was in wine, uh, that was through Bob Volke. He didn't ask; I asked. And actually, I know him through some other people too, Mike Weir. But yeah, I mean, it's we didn't want to ask. Like, I mean, we could get some bigger name guests probably, but it's like you know what? Let's get some people that are different, different avenues, yeah. different angles. Because you don't like, we're going to have a um, superintendent eventually, you know, learn about that course designer, yeah, yeah. learn about that. You, your, your project, learn about that. Yeah. I, I, I love the style that you guys go. I mean, you guys get great chemistry, as I mentioned, but um, I'm a podcast <laughs> junkie. So I just like, uh, is that weird? Different perspectives within the game of golf. I, I don't care right. about the celebrity as much. Um, it is neat. He doesn't care about you, you hear from, from those folks, but, 
but you know, everyone's got a story in this game. So I, I, uh, just from one podcaster to the next, I just wanted to, you know, say you guys are doing good stuff. I, I, well, I, I think also too, he's been there, done that. And if you look at all the podcasts out there, there's not a major champion that's doing it consistently. So I think you get a different perspective and I'm an average golfer. I mean, I'm a single digit handicap, but you know, I'm, I'm all over the place. I got an ugly swing. The ball goes far still. I enjoy my clothing and it's just a unique perspective though. He doesn't really play golf. He coaches it still. His son's a really good player. So I think it's just kind of a, it's we're different. Yeah. I mean, that's a good way to put it. We're different Yeah. <laughs> in all aspects of the world <laughs> word. Well, I'll tell you what, what is different for me is talking to a major champion. So Ben, I want to ask you a few things here and get into yeah. it. Um, oh, the elephant in the room though, I got to remove, I got, I got to take out the elephant, which is, you know, I'm an Akron zip. You're a Kent state golden flush, golden flash, excuse me. Golden flush. Oh. <laughs> um, Screw the roo. Here we go. Akron doesn't even have a golf team. Thanks, no, unfortunately thanks i was getting well it's it. actually hoban high school now <laughs> yeah yeah let's hoban be honest replace the akron zips uh, yeah but we tragically lost our golf team thank you that was a hard yeah. hard thing it's unfortunate it down and, and you know a lot of people blame uh the athletic director a lot of people blame the pandemic title nine there's a list of all kinds of things people it's title nine fingers at I I'd like to point my finger at Ben Curtis because, and here's why Ben Curtis, uh, when you, what I do now, well, <laughs> when you won that open championship at Royal St. George in 2003, the only thing Northeast Ohio could talk about was Ben Curtis and that open championship and Kent state flashes. I think we lost every recruiting class for the next five years. <laughs> I think, I think you put it the wheels in motion. You know, you just made it happen where, it was going to be Kent State and nobody else. And, and now here I am. I, I'm an alumni of a non-existent program. Thanks, Ben. What do you think about that? He's, he's sore. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, um, yeah, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, you would think that it would almost have the opposite effect, right? You think that, yes, Kent State will still get the elite players. And even before I came along, there was a lot of great players. And, you know, I wasn't the first on tour and and things like that. And you had guys that were very successful, not just playing wise too, but just in the profession, you know, head pros to still tour reps still, still, but, but, you know, very high up in companies and in doctors and, you know, things along that nature. And so, but then, you know, obviously I want, but you think you, you would think you, that Acker would be able to capitalize yeah, off that. And for match. some reason it just didn't, pan out you know and and i don't know what's the reason i don't know i know I, mean, what the, I know what the reason is what? all their coaches were kent state alums they didn't want akron to be good well, I, yeah. <laughs> there, might- there were a few of them yes <laughs> but uh i mean you have firestone in your backyard mm-hmm. right um so everything was there just for some reason maybe it was too close i mean the schools are only what eight ten miles apart <laughs> i mean it's it, you know, a straight shot. It's not far at all. And it's just, it, it's very unfortunate, you know, and then Herb, you know, obviously he was um, out there, you know, Kent State, Kent State, but, you know, is. and still is, yeah. but I mean, he's, he was out there, you know, pushing, not pushing, I would say, but, you know, being out there in the spotlight and, uh, you know, and obviously it did get a lot of recognition, but, you know, it's, it's something it's hard to explain. And and I, I wish, you know, it's, you know, I wish Akron was still playing. I wish they were really good, you know, and, 
you know, one of my good friends, Greg Boya, he played there for a couple of years. You know, he was a year ahead of me, but uh, so we battled for three or four years together and played many tours. So you just, you really wish it would come, you know, and, and it's unfortunate it just didn't. No, and I'm, I, I, I'm clearly pulling your leg a bit because yeah. I, think that, well, no, and I, I think that effect you talk about did happen because, and I, and I, I was, I lived that, that time frame because I uh, was a freshman coming in in 2003. Right. So I, I told you this on your show, watching you win that open championship, going to the Mac conference from a guy who grew up in Ohio, uh, you know, with my head aspirations of being a pro, I, I, it was the most inspirational thing ever. And so I think other kids felt that. And, uh, I think I, I'll leave you with this on, on this point is my, my team uh, finished dead last in the Mac of my, God, was it my sophomore year? I went five years. I did a victory lap. So I have a hard time remembering which one, <laughs> but, uh, but then uh, four years later, when I was a senior, that same ish team or same senior class, uh, we lost to Kent state by two shots in the Mac championship wow. for the title. So that, that was, was, was that your A team or B team? Well, <laughs> but you know what to go to, to go on top of kind of like what happened too. so I used to be the men's tennis coach at DePaul University in Chicago where you are go demons um, and I think what happens is the funding too when they won now you're getting more alumni money the golf team is getting more donations they're probably already fully funded I don't even know if Akron was fully funded and I'm not saying that but it's, it's really difficult to compete at the same level as another team when the funding's different also. But if you look at what he's done and what he's kept up, but the funny story is what you don't know is they almost had two major winners in 2003 because of Mike Weir. Her page was recruiting him. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's a, there was a you know chance, but he didn't do well that day and Herb went for someone else. But you look at the guys now, this week, starting this week, they have three guys from Kent State on the PGA tour. Yeah. Three guys. And they're all from the same team. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that's it, crazy. As her boy said, it, it, it only takes one, right. It took David Moreland. He was the first, yep. you yeah, know, yeah. Brian Bridges won the Ben Hogan award before that, you know, and you know, it's a, it just, you know, it just blow baby steps at first. And then once that one, and then it, the floodgates kind of open and it just, you know, Akron had some good players, you know, it just never panned out. Um, and, you know, it's very unfortunate, obviously. No. I, I, I have some questions. We'll get to the Ryder Cup. I, yeah. I think we should have oh, some timely discussion around the Ryder Cup if you guys are ready. But I want to ask you about Herb Page because I know he was an influential person in your life. Um, you guys may have already had him on the show. I, I yes, we did. My show. But I, I, for the folks listening that have no idea about Kent State's golf pedigree, a lot of people will. They'll know the pedigree. Uh, and the, But they might not know Herb Page. Can you tell us a little bit about Herb and, and what you think his – uh, success. What what would you kind of sum up his style Canadian. and success to? Well, not Canadian, but <laughs> Canadian. Canadian. That's all I gotta say. Yeah. <laughs> Canadian college kicker. That's he, all he you need to know. So yeah, so I think it starts there. I think you know he came to Kent State to play golf, but he also kicked. He was on the football team. And he played with Nick Saban, Gary Pinkle, uh, Don James was his coach. Um, Jack Lambert was <laughs> a linebacker on the team. So, and he, he's, I mean, he'll quote it all the time. He says all the time, he, what he learned in coaching was all from Don James. So who later went on to Washington and st I think it's still the winningest coach mm -hmm. in Pac-10 history. Yep. So, um, so he takes a lot from that. And then he also played hockey, obviously being from Canada, but he, you know, back then they, you know, it was a, a sport and uh, he played and 
Um, so I think he took all that and, um, you know, but he, I mean, he'll talk about it all the time. It, you know, it's good players. <laughs> coaches look good. And Don James was, you know, key for that too. But just the discipline that he instilled in all of us, you know, just making sure that you're ready to go, be ready to play, you know, make sure you obviously do well in school, but then, you know, let's put in the time, let's, you know, come out here, work on the right things. And he understood that I've been preaching to this guy over here. It's all about the short game and wedges. Right. And then if you can do that, well, we can compete with anybody. And, you know, so, and obviously with the disadvantage being up North, we understood that. And so we worked really hard on those couple things and, you know, just being mentally strong and, you know, Herb's the ultimate competitor yeah. too. Like he ain't back <laughs> down from anybody. It's David and Goliath. Right. Yeah. So he looks at himself as David. He's going to, he doesn't care if you're Oklahoma state, Florida, Georgia, Ohio, Texas, Ohio state. state. He doesn't, doesn't care. And he'll play you. Yeah. And yeah. he, and he, he loved that. I mean, he, and, you know, obviously playing in that, that playing those tough schedules and it helped me down the road because, you know, I would, I love the big tournaments. Like I, you know, love that. And that's why I struggled when I <laughs> lost my tour card, so to speak, and was playing the web or the corn Ferry tour. It was just very hard to get kind of motivated <laughs> in a way, but, but, but if the U S open and I got in, I was playing, man, I'd be, you know, very geared up and, and ready to go. So, you know, not being there, not backing down from anybody who's, you know, kind of competitively, that was the biggest thing I took. It didn't matter who you were. Didn't matter. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah he, and he still has that mentality too. Oh, he That's still does. Thing. I mean, he's still super competitive. I see him now and it's, it's, it's not just the golf team now it's with windmill and other yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he's just one of those characters in coll collegiate golf that is uh, larger than life and he's a very small stature. So right. I, I think that he called him short. He is, but he doesn't like, like Ben said, he doesn't care. He'll no. go up against everybody. And, and I've seen him, you know, walk into a room at the uh, tour, uh, PGA tour show right before what was that 2019. And, and it was amazing. I was with a ton of people that I, I wasn't expecting her page walk in the room and he walked in the room and he owned the room. He really did. Yeah. And uh, he's just that, he that type of personality. Kind of reminds me of a five pound dog who thinks he's 50 pounds. <laughs> he's like that barking chihuahua. <laughs> he's not afraid. He's not going to back down. And he'll bite you. He'll just, he'll, he's the dog, the big dog. It's like the little chihuahua is on the big dog's neck and the big dog's like whatever. And he's just, but that's, I mean, that's his upbringing. That's Canadians. I mean, like we're good people, but when you provoke us, I mean, we're competitive, believe it or not. But he's a, he's a, but he, you know what? He's a good dude. Yeah. He's a good dude. How how closely is that to your coaching style, Luke, when, when you were uh, on the collegiate? Same way. We'd now. play anybody anywhere. I didn't care. Because that's that, that's the way you get better. I mean. And you can't be just, afraid to fail. And that's what her. Well, like, the, who cares if they beat us? The, but let's not let's not make it seem like we're intimidated by this just because it's Oklahoma State. There, there's two types of coaches. There's coaches that pad their schedule. And, you know, they're always, you know, they might be in golf. They, you know, you play tournaments. Kent State's really good. They might play um, the Akron Invitational, let's say, and no offense to the Akron Invitational, and they'd win it, win by 30 strokes, okay? But they're not doing that. And that was the same thing with my self-coaching is, you know, we wanted to play the Kentuckys, the USC's, the Florida's. They didn't want to play us, but whatever. I mean, we played Arkansas and some big names, but that's that's the way, only way you're going to get better. And for guys like they want to go on the pro tour, they want to play the best. And when yeah. And if you got Kent State and you're recruiting against the bigger schools, we might not be up down there, but we're going to play you and we're going to try yeah. to beat you. 
So how wouldn't you, why would you not go to that program? And where it's at now with Johnny, Johnny Mills, a good friend of his and former teammate, he's got the same mentality. Yeah, And I think it's it's having that balance too, right? Like Herb understood, like we did play some tournaments where we should have won or should win, right? Just based on the field or our talent. And so you had to learn with that, but he also understood like, you know, and I teach with my kids, you know, tell our kids, you want to play where you're the favorite going in and how do you deal with that? And also how do you deal with being middle of the road, maybe towards the bottom? And do you have the kahunas to step up and <laughs> the balls, and the balls, you know, yeah. kind of look, you know, major league of that guy, you know, the big, the kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's kind of like yep. the mentality. Like, so do you have that? Can you handle that pressure? And, and it just prepares you for everything that you're going to face down the road. It makes sense to hear you say, uh, you know, the big events, because you look at your, yeah. uh, your, your professional career, you definitely showed up for the big ones. And obviously 2003 is, is uh, the one most people will go to first uh, for the, those in new club. We have a lot of links golf obsessives and we, we have a <laughs> lot of members who head overseas to play those courses. Uh, and you played really well on them. I, I, in my limited research for this morning, uh, I, you hate them. I, you know, way more than that 2003 victory, Ben, is, is a lot of top 10s at Burkdale, Carnoustie, Turnberry. So I, I was going to ask you just about your relationship with Lynx Golf. You know, what, what was it prior to 2003 when you went over? And um, <laughs> what was it like after? I was a newborn you know, going into going into 03 Open. Um, you know, I had I played in Germany is probably the closest thing. So it'd probably be like kind of like a. um whistling straights or something along that line so it's it kind of gives you the look but it's not the pure form of it but um you know what i loved about it is that it brought out the imagination in the short game and into the shot making so to speak and i love that part of it um you know just because you're 150 yards away doesn't mean it was just an eight iron or nine iron or whatever it it, it could have been a five iron and it could have been a sandwich or wedge, you know, and it's, it's just having that ability and just that that's what made it so much fun for me. And, uh, you know, you know, get around the green, same thing. You have multiple options. Obviously you can use the wedge, but you know, when I was there, my caddy's holding the wedge and he's like chip with a seven, eight, nine iron, something like that, or putt it, you know, rescues were just coming out. You could use that. I didn't have it that week, but you know, you could have used something like along those lines. So it just, it just brought out the imagination kind of reminded me how I grew up. I grew up on a small public golf course. And, and uh, so we, with my cousins, we used to go out and just hit like we chip with nothing but a seven iron have competitions or, you know, chip with a five iron or, you know, <laughs> or play, you know, with four clubs in our bag and go see what you could shoot. And that's kind of how it reminded. And so it made it fun again. Is, is there something about, you know, um, I, I saw some discussion recently this week. They were talking about a, a Lynx golf series, you know, on the European tour, extending out the two, three weeks they play and do like five or six. And, and a lot of pushback from players saying, you know, it's good for the championship. But uh, there's so many variables with uh, Lynx golf, the, the, the tides, you know, when the wind switches and yeah. you know, the draw that you get. Do you, is there something mentally about, players that play well in links golf that they accept more of those variables. Yeah. Well, you have to take it into play and um, it's kind of 
remember well, Andy and uh, he would always say, you know, before the tournament starts, you could take out 75% of the field just based on, are they complaining about the conditions, the weather, like, you know, the magnitude of the event to really, you know, yeah, even though some of those guys might play well, they might start off good. So it was all about preparation too. like, you know, don't exert all the energy. You know, a lot of guys would, you know, I'm going back to the open again, sorry, but they would, you know, play 18, 18, 18, 18. They place, you know, almost a full tournament before, you know, the event started and hit so many extra chips and see every angle of the course. And by the time it came, they're worn out. Right. But yeah, I think that would be a cool idea. I don't know what would be the drawback other than, you know, maybe some guys think that'll take away a little bit from the open championship. Um, and so, you know, where do you go? Where do you play? <laughs> Are you playing in Carnoustie and then the next week you're playing St. Andrews or Birkdale or something like that where, you know, but it would be, be great preparation. So by the time you got to the open, but then again, like you say, you're playing, you could get three straight weeks yeah. where the weather just <laughs> absolutely, yeah. you know, horrible. And then you get a lot of bad habits in your golf game. So you can handle it for a week, maybe a week and a half. But after that, when you get in the wind, all of a sudden your ball flight changes, your, <laughs> your, your swing changes a little bit, your, you know, your mechanics kind of go away. So, um, so I don't know what what would be the hold up other than you know that because I think guys would love to play Carnoustie, <laughs> you know, and and things like that. So I, I have. To so that's a great question. I I just don't know what the answer is. I think a lot of it would probably be that they just don't want to take away from that one unique time of the year. You got the Scottish Open, maybe the Irish Open, and then the British Open. So, but the, usually the Irish Open was in May, right? It wasn't. May, June. So it was well before or after. Sometimes I think they played in late August too. So, do you, you think, know, do you think it would expand the schedule too, where they just don't between the PGA tour and the European tour, just expand it where it's just more time playing instead of off. Could be, um, you know, I think the European tour is struggling a little bit in a ways because a lot of their guys are coming over here. So they're mm -hmm. trying to get but, uh, I mean, sign me. I love that. I, I mean, if I was playing, I would have played in all the. <laughs> it's still a chance. Yeah. Well, no, no. But back in the day, I would have definitely. You and I could go to Belgium. Because I played the Irish Open. I played Scottish yeah. Open. And, and it was a lot of fun. I'll caddy for you. European <laughs> Tour. I'll be your caddy in Belgium. <laughs> Antwerp. The um, uh, last question on that victory in 2003. I, I rewatched the, not the full thing, but the. You know, the open puts on those yeah. hour long highlights. Yeah. highlights. Yeah. yeah. So I rewatched that before I joined your your guys' show. And I just want to know when did you get nervous? Because you never looked phased on any day of, of that round, all the way through the end. Were were you were nerves a big part of that week for you, or were you just in some, you know, trance that well, a little bit of both. I mean, obviously the very first hole, I was very, very nervous. <laughs> Snap hooked it in the junk and you know, luckily made a miraculous par and that kind of really settled me down. But, uh, you know, it's a funny thing how like with just one little thing like that could make a huge difference in a week. But I mean, the nerves were there, but obviously I was extremely confident, you know, like I remember a few years afterwards, so I had the lead after the first day, but I knew my game wasn't good <laughs> and I was nervous that 
okay, something bad's going to happen. It's just because I wasn't hitting it great, but I got very lucky. And sure enough, it showed up on Friday, <laughs> you know, and went from the lead to missing the cut or right within a shot and missing the cut. But that's golf. And, and you know, and that's what that tournament will do to you. Majors will do to you. But, um, you know, the last nine holes, yes, I was very nervous. But at that point, you're nervous, but you're in the thick of it, too. So it's not what happens is that usually you see at the beginning, right? Like if you're very nervous and it affects you at the beginning, then you're done. But once you get into that rhythm and stuff, then that week, uh, if people say, well, you struggle at the end, well, we all did, you know, it was very tough, <laughs> right? Um, I wasn't the only one. Maybe I was maybe one or two shots different than somebody else, but um, obviously I was very proud of how I handled it. But at the same time, the nerves were there, but, I'm just glad it didn't catch me early in the round, <laughs> you know, and, and because it really settles you in, you know, you make a few par, a couple birdies, you can make a bogey, but as long as you're hanging around there, not making any uh, disaster mistakes, you know, like, you know, making, having a mental block, making a double with no penalties, stuff like that, you know, just. I, I imagine winning the open championship has to, I mean, you're, you're beloved in Northeast Ohio. You're beloved uh, in this country as well. But I, I imagine, is there a relationship now that you have with the people over there, especially in the dramatic way that, that you did it, you know, coming from where you were in the world rankings? I'm sure there's that little old lady that won all that money on you. I'm sure yeah. she is a big fan <laughs> yeah. of you. There's a lot of those, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, especially at first. I mean, the first five, six years was, you know, it was really cool to go over there and, and I didn't say it, it, it waned a little bit because my game was bad, <laughs> you know, for, you know, through 2013 through, you know, 16, I wasn't playing good at all. So you kind of get lost, but yes, it's still, every time you, you came to the first tee and, um, you know, finished up the round and, you know, people, you know, showed their appreciation. And I think that's what, you know, and they're pure golf fans. I mean, I'm sure you, 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 you know, you spent time in Ireland and that, but, um, you know, Scotland, if you go over there and play, right. Or if you go to the tournament, you notice how they clap. If you just hit the green from 50 yards, <laughs> like you're like, you watch the telecast. You're like, why are they clapping? But they, they do, right. They clap you, you four putt for double and they're clapping, you know, as you go off the green. Yeah. They're also saying asshole. Into well, the yeah, but, but <laughs> you suck. But, um, but like here in America, I mean, it, this just sums it up, right. You know, one year in DC, a congressional hit up the hill and I was playing okay. And I think it was like a Saturday, um, mid, you know, we were, I think I was in the top 20 or so I hit this great shot, but I couldn't tell if it, because of elevated green, I couldn't tell if it like <laughs> caught the ridge or not. And, um, so I'm asking my caddy goes, well, I don't know. Well, worst case just in the rough and left the hole and you're not going to get up and down. It's basically what he's saying, or it could be down by the hole, but I'm like, well, it can't be down by the hole. No one was cheering. There were 50 people, 60 people up there on the green. I get up there and it was like a foot and a half. I'm like, what is going on? What is and, that to do? But that kind of sums, right? You know, and, uh, and now I'm not knocking American fans, but, you know. It's different. It, it's different, it's part right? part of their culture. And it's, too. Right. you know, yeah, they, I think they just appreciate it and they, you know, it's their time to take the center stage, you know, one time for the year. So mm -hmm. as well, I think that has something to do with it. You need to play Possibly. in New York. They would have cheered. 
No, I, they would have booed you at <laughs> Beth Page. That's, a, that, that's an exceptional transition to the Ryder Cup because I want to talk to you about it. Yeah. It's timely. I'm sure you guys are doing some, uh, right. some content. Mm-hmm. Right after this. Yep. Um, Luke, I'll start with you. I, I imagine being Canadian, you know, your allegiance has to lie legally with the, uh, the, the majesty, her queen. And you're probably You'd be surprised for the UK. Is that? Well, here, here's the thing. So I'm, I'm kind of uh, confused, as Ben would probably say. Uh, my mom is British. I've got uh, uh, an uncle who is Irish, um, and I've got cousins in Ireland and England, but I'm also a dual citizen. I did not. Ah, see, there you go. Ah, know that. so I will tell you, I will be pulling for the United States of America. Now, I like some of the players. I like Rory and, uh, you know, Sergio Garcia and some of the other guys, but I, I'll tell you, I mean, it's also in a course I've played and uh, I, I enjoy for the most part um whistling straight so i'll be pulling for did you hit every bunker that was out there no i actually didn't i actually did okay okay i shot 112 all was pretty all good. 1500 <laughs> bunkers, a bunkers. <laughs> no it was you know what it's a it's a weird course it, it really is a strange didn't hal Irwin's to ask like ch- track down pete die and tell him what the hell were you thinking yeah. and pete die said pretty much the same thing like uh you know some of the stuff is, is i mean it's it's a really pretty course but i will tell you i'm cheering for the united states yeah. i want them to win they just I don't know. They, they're just, yeah, I don't know. Let's go to you for, uh, before you get, we get your take for this. Who are you cheering for? Yeah. That's <laughs> what was it? Repeat that because Luke was, no, I asked him who he's cheering for. I want to go 2008 at Valhalla. That yeah, yeah. was a big one as a golf fan. Who was that awesome to watch? Yeah. Like, just the energy out of the American side. I don't, frankly, I, I watch the Ryder cup every stinking minute of it. So as a fan, I don't think we've gotten back to that type of passion and energy on the American side. I don't know if you would, you know, maybe that's unfair. I don't know. But from a fan, I felt like that 2008 Ryder Cup was it. So I wanted to ask you a very simple question. What's it like playing in the Ryder Cup? It's, it's crazy. I mean, <laughs> it, uh, the best way I can describe it, it's, it's, you know, you feel the pressure very similar to, um, to, uh, oh, like a major championship. Right. But you feel it the whole time, right? Cause every match is very significant. So that's the biggest difference. Like, you know, on Friday you get close to lead in a major, do you get nervous? Yeah, maybe a little bit, but you're not really thinking about it because there's so much that can go on. But when you're on the first tee or on the fifth hole in the first match on Friday or Thursday, I think it starts Friday, right? I mm-hmm. think Friday, sir. You know, and you just feel that pressure. And, uh, and it's so unique in that regard. And you're one of four groups that are out there, right? So there's not. <laughs> and, and, and so, I mean, you're used to big crowds, but it gets even bigger because there's only four groups out there. So, um, so you got 40,000, 50,000 people. <laughs> following four groups it gets very rowdy gets ruckus and uh you know so it it is different in that regard but again like i said before paul was great at getting us okay we're all going to be nervous in the first tee it's it's the build-up right because have you been to one matt i i was uh here at medina okay but as you know like as the you know so you're warm like so if i was playing so maybe 45 minutes to an hour before you go start warming up well, there might only be one group teeing off the whole time while you're out there getting ready before you, right? That you can see because they space them out, right? 
And so the group tees off and you're kind of doing your thing. And next thing you know, you just see the first tee, they start chanting, oh. <laughs> you, you know, they start going crazy. They have TVs, and then they start doing all the intros, like well before you even get there, <laughs> like 20, 15, 20 minutes before, you know, they're, you got the highlights of the, you know, the, the upcoming players and stuff. So it's really unique in that regard. So, um, so it's just different than what you're used to, <laughs> you know, and then obviously they, people notice that you're the next group. So they're coming over and there's only four or five of you on the range, <laughs> you know, so it's just different in that regard, but it was so much fun to, to be a part of that. And, you know, we kind of took that underdog role, kind of probably what Europeans going to do, but you were, we were, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of rookies, a lot of newcomers, but, um, you know, but we did have that experience on the team, which obviously helped. And, but we had all these newcomers and obviously being in Kentucky, being, you know, central, you know, right in the Midwest kind of, I know it's the South, but it's, they don't get on the professional level that much. Golf right. Kentucky, so and then you had, you know, Kenny Perry and JB Holmes there, which both really enhanced that. Time, big right. right? That, um, well, I, they, I mean, they Close were enough. in Kentucky, but Close right. Enough. So, so, you know, you had that going on. That'd be almost like if the Ryder Cup was at Firestone. Right. And I was on it. Right. Yeah. Kind of, mm-hmm. you, you what, know, the, uh, with, with Zinger's pod system, I think this was the start of the, of right. the pod. What, what say did you have in your pod? Did you get to pick your pod? Did you get to pick your partner? How did that work? Well, yeah, because I qualified right after the PGA. Um, so I wasn't one of the picks. And, and I remember having conversations with Paul and and then um, Stricker and, and that. And he, he pretty much had it laid out before. And he was like, okay, so who do you want <laughs> as your like he kind of gave us a short list of players and like, who do you think would fit in with you guys? And, and so, so he did give us that, you know, just our feet, you know, just our input, uh, whether he took it or not, but he did. Cause I think, you know, it was myself, Stricker, Stuart Sink, Chad Campbell. I mean, probably the four of the quietest guys on, <laughs> on the tour at the time. Right. And, and so we just all gelled. So, you know, we ate together together we practiced together we played together we showered together no <laughs> so but we did everything in that group right so like i hardly saw kenny perry phil you know furick um anthony kim boo weekly and that so you hardly saw him so we did a press conference it's the four of us sitting there <laughs> with you know and maybe the other pod you know because i think you only do one where it's the whole team mm-hmm. together and it's like early in the week and i remember sitting next to the boo and you know, he's a character and obviously having him there was, you know, he, it was fun too. you know, having that, you know, I don't care who they are. <laughs> he's like, you know, Lee Westwood, who like kind of what, like he's kind of imitating Tiger, but, um, it was, uh, that was unique and different, but, um, so it was, it's something I, only thing I regret is I wish I would have played one in Europe just to kind of, kind of get the so sense the of side. the two different where was 10 was that celtic manor yeah i think so yeah so, weren't you on yeah. weren't you on the potential uh i was close i mean i was close but maybe top 20 i i shared this on twitter uh because i used to hire big sales teams so i was working with uh hiring managers to have basically pots they had a sale to be yeah. a sales manager with a team of four and so I, I shared this on twitter that i feel I, I used to ask every hiring manager my last question for them after interviews was 
if you got stuck at the airport with that person for three hours, would you be excited about that? And, and it's not a question of like, oh, this person's cool and that person's cooler. Right. It's, it's really just a mesh of a manager with his, his people, you know? And so I thought right. about the pod system and, and I said that I, I kind of feel like Europe has crushed that airport test because they put guys that, that really truly, you know, enjoy spending a lot of time together. I don't know how much of a, is that, is that all just like a fan speak or, or do you think that that really matters? Mm -hmm. man? Well, he, so here, here's how it's done. So in Europe, you're playing all over the world. You're traveling. You could be playing in Russia to England, to a, back to Asia, to South Africa, back to mainland Europe. And so the families didn't travel as much. So the guys hung out together quite a bit. And right. So you're in small town Europe and there may only be one hotel or two hotels and it's one pub. It's the caddies and the players yeah. <laughs> are all together. Right. And they do it differently there. Like the caddies are allowed in the locker room. And oh, really? And you're in America. You can't. So in America, it's easy to travel, right? You're going from one big city to the next. It's three, four hours. Most case at the worst, you know, between tournaments on a flight and it's usually direct. And it's so it's very convenient to to be able to take your families and easy. You've got, you know, for example, like Chicago, Cog Hill, right? There's 20, 30 different hotels that you could be staying at, <laughs> you know, whereas, you, you know, you. Interesting. Black Loman, there's one hotel and it's right there <laughs> at the golf course and that's it. You know, and that they're a couple minutes down the road and everybody stayed there. So it's just, I think, so you develop those relationships early on and, and not, I'm not saying that the Americans don't have relationships they do but it's not the well, same it's different it's a little bit yeah, different um, you, but you can see that when they play though too right I mean, you look at like who he picked who uh podrick picked for the team mm -hmm. i mean lee westwood not even lee westwood ian poulter wasn't even i don't i don't think he's even top 50 in the uh well, but rankings. he was like top i think he was like 20th on yeah. the, the rankings right but, but then garcia too right you know and it looks in like just some of the guys i'm like i thought there was gonna be all these guys i'd never heard of and it's all like Shane Lowry's never been in a Ryder cup guys, mm -hmm. never been in a Ryder cup. Mm -hmm. And obviously his buddies with Padraig and he probably felt sorry for him. And he probably begged a little bit. And don't get me wrong, Lee headbutt, but I think they're, they're good at like letting that go. Right. Unless they, just, they, they let it go pretty quickly. Cause they, I think, cause they were getting beat up for 70 years in the Ryder cup. And I think they just have that pat a little bit more pat right now, at least, you know, and, I think you're starting to see it come back on the American side because since 93, I think they won once on American soil or something. Something like that. And it was 08, you know? Yep. So it's like, oh, wow. or 99, I think, since, you know? So it's just, it's just, uh, two, you know, different in that regard, right? Two, 2006, we'll, we'll get to this year's Ryder Cup, but 2006, yeah. Booz Allen, you win it. You shot 20 under, you won by five. Do you know who was sitting in the runner-up spot? Two people. Stricker. Sitting, Steve Stricker. Do you know who the other one was? Um, no, Fred Funk was up there for a while. Um, I'll give you that. Padre Harrington. So our two, our two captains were. Uh, oh, that's the smokes them both. Yeah, that's pretty Behind good. By Come on, Steve. You got to pick me. I could have shot a hundred and. You know, I, I yeah, no I points, know, but I know you know Steve. <laughs> really yeah, so well. could have Bryson sure DeChambeau with Padraig as well. What yeah. what do we what what do you think of these two styles? I mean, I know there's the kind of the systems that are in place, but 
you know, how will Strick be as a, as a captain? How will Padraig be as a captain? What do you think their styles are for Winston's race? Well, even though their personalities are a little bit different, you know, but they're going to, they're very probably data driven. And, uh, both of them, you know, I know Padraig for sure is very data driven. He's just, he's always been known to, you know, try to test the water. So to speak, you know, he's doing different, a lot of different things. Steve's a little more traditional, a little more hard work, um, you know, kind of old school in a way, but uh, they're going to both be very data driven in their decision making. I think, um, you know, Steve, I think will be more about the relationship side of it. I think you will have a good sense for that. Um, I don't know with Padraig will or not. I think he's just going to kind of go, well, these two match up perfectly on data wise. I'm going to go with them where Steve might be like, well, they match, but maybe they don't mesh with the personality wise. So, um, but it's going to be, right. Yeah. Mr. Reed and Luke, let's go to you. What do you, what would you do with uh, Brooks and Bryson? If you're the captain, if you're in Strick's hot seat, uh, tell them to suck it up and play. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. I mean, right. I mean, you're playing for your country. You're not playing for egos and stuff like that. You know, I don't like how the, the U S system does it. I think it should be picked by the captain. I think there should be a couple automatics just because, I mean, you look at Bryson DeChambeau's record last time at the Ryder cup. I don't think he got one point. Um, almost pretty certain he didn't get any point. If he did, it might've been a one or one or half a point. I'm kind of surprised by some of the picks. Um, but I can, I can see it. Like I can see like Jordan Spieth, he really gets into it. And I mean, Scotty Scheffler, they're probably buddies. They both went to Texas. So maybe they play together, but I mean, you got a lot of guys that are pretty similar in how they play Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, DeChambeau, they hit the crap out of the ball. So I don't know. I, I think they will be fine. I mean, I think if you add Patrick Reed to that equation, I think that really rocks the boat a lot, but it worked out, I guess, in, 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 uh, Stricker's, uh, favor because, you know, Reed's been battling some injuries and pneumonia and yeah, stuff I think like that. that. So I think that, that was a tough him. decision. For sure. I think it was a pretty easy decision, but, um, you know, what do I know though? I, I don't think, Reed, I, I think having Reed on that team would have been disastrous with all those egos. There's a lot of egos on the U S team. That's the problem. Yeah. Same on the other side. Yeah, but they put I could make the argument for the other side. I know <laughs> they, they do, <laughs> they do, but they play as a unit. Whereas I just, I, I, I think it means it's, you got to put the right people. Together. Right. Exactly. And I think Stricker, he's, he was with him. He's been on multiple Ryder cups, presence cups. I mean, he's a smart guy and I think he's not going to put up with crap. And that's how Azinger was, right? Oh, like he yeah. didn't care. Like he <laughs> he still doesn't. No. And he <laughs> he had that mentality. And I think Europe had has had that for the longest time, right? And just like were they underdogs? Yeah. Like this year, for example. You know, they you look at it on paper and they they got no chance, right? But yeah. but they and it could end up that way, but it could end up the other way as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I've heard, you know, one thing I thought with these picks is um you know the bulldog mentality ian poulter you look at his trends he's not playing well there's no way to say that he's actually like project said a quote about him playing the best golf of his life and i looked it up i was like no he's not (laughs) this is yeah but he will though in a couple weeks exactly and so i that's the thing i I, for people that i know play with you ben um i've heard you described as a bulldog right when in a competitive situation you kind of 
you can grind it out. You, you're going to win. You want to win. Right. What about okay. filling the team with guys like that? Like I, I know there's a lot of talk about Kisner and his length. I, he does kind of feel like that bulldog mentality to me. I think Daniel Berger feels like that bulldog mentality. Um, heck, there was, uh, I mean, you can make the argument Kevin Na. I mean, do, do you think it does feel like the, the U.S. team much more so than Europe's? We, we do reserve those captain's picks to kind of the next in line from a, a performance standpoint over the course of the year. But in match play, is, isn't all that matters that, that will to win and, and show up in that moment? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you look at Poulter, right? I mean, he he probably considers himself like he looked at it from an underdog perspective, but he thinks he's the top dog, right? Like he thinks he's the Chihuahua, but he thinks he's (laughs) the German Shepherd, you know? So it's just hard to explain, but um, yeah, he, uh, he, I mean, I, I mean, I tell you what, like there's going to be a lot of pressure on that group that plays against him, right? Because if he comes out and he gets fired up and he's, you know, doing his thing and here comes Poulter again and then all of a sudden, yeah. you know, the pressure's on those two guys. He's, he's never lost. <laughs> Even though he, it doesn't matter who yeah. if, if he's playing with me, you know, Poulter's playing with me, the guy can't hit it right now, but it wouldn't matter. Right? It'd be two against one and yeah. those guys are going to feel the pressure. So how do you deal with that? Um, but, uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, I like how they do it now with the six picks because then you can develop the team how you want. And I'm sure, you know, with Reed and Daniel Berger would have been, you know, that's a tough one. Cause he's, he has that you know, very similar to Poulter in a lot of ways, yeah. you know, and his mentality. So, you know, I'm sure he looked in hard into him. Um, and so, yeah, it's, no matter what you do, people are well, yeah. 50, 50% are yeah. going to say that was stupid and 50% will say that's genius, right? So <laughs> now it's all about, like, you could put the best team out there and they could get along and everything go out and they just don't perform the way they should because you're talking, you know, such a fine line. No, I mean, no. you're you're we're ripping on Poulter, right? He's not playing good, right? But he's... A, he's top but, 50 in the world, isn't he? Yeah, he's half a no, half a shot <laughs> difference around than somebody else, but match play that doesn't get that doesn't mean shit. You know he's six. Yeah. He's undefeated in singles in the Ryder Cup. Hmm? You know he's. I don't think he's ever lost a singles match in the Ryder Cup. Yeah, I think so. That's undefeated. Yeah, unbelievable. So you got a case of wine on the line. Who do you who do you put it behind? Euros or the states? I think what kind of wine? Wait, just wait. What kind of wine is it? Is it shitty wine? <laughs> no, no. This is this I want to hear your Taylor's uh, hidden stash wine. I, I think you know what the Americans are going to win it. Okay. I think it's going to be close as shit, but I think they're going to win it. I just have this weird feeling. I think Stricker's going to get it done. It's his home state. I think he's going to be a little bit, even though he's quiet, according to Ben. I think he's going to bring it all easier and be like, you know what? We're here to win. We're here to compete. I don't want to lose. And yeah, I, I, I think Americans will win too, but I think here's how I can see a couple of scenarios. One where, if, you know, it's real tight, right? Then the pressure's on Americans. If they're way up, it's still on the Americans, right? Because, <laughs> and so it's, it's going to be key. Like Paul came to us the night before and he put our four guys, the last four. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I, you got me in the 11th spot. And he's like... <laughs> Listen, yeah, who'd you beat? Uh, Westwood. Exactly. Who's playing? Wait, for the wait, wait, right. Yeah. So, you know, when he said that, I'm like, what? 
no, put me like third, you know, don't, <laughs> don't put me first, put me third or fourth, you know, get me right in the middle, kind of get lost in the shuffle. And Paul goes, listen, I think our guys are going to go out and they're going to dominate and we're going to win. It's not going to matter. But if it does come <laughs> down to it, if it does come down to you four, you're the four that I want to handle this. And so that was like, oh shit, like my rookie year and I'm the left, you know, Campbell was right, right behind me. And um, I think it was his second because I think he played at Oakland Hills, maybe in 04. Um, so it was just, I was like, well, but man, that media with the pressure, you know, it's just, <laughs> if they can tune that stuff out, like Paul's like, don't watch, don't watch the news, don't watch Sports Center, don't watch, you know, watch a movie, go to bed, you know. <laughs> And it's going to be very hard now. This is a lot of, you know, before all the social media stuff. So, you know, if he can, you know, LeBron James, right? He puts it away during playoffs, right? Tries to, you know, put the social media aside and, you know, because it can consume you, I'm sure. And um, so, you know, so it's how you deal with all that. But there's definitely the most pressures on the U.S. because everybody's going to be talking about all the interviews leading up. You got nine of the 11. You top in the world you you know <laughs> you got a lot of has-beens maybe on the european team and you know you guys are all the top dogs in the world and you know it's going to be a lot of that pressure for sure are those interviews i i this is coming from a a, a golfer who uh, pressure always kind of got to me it was it won the day way too many times <laughs> and then we're, we're talking you know ohio amateurs um <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I put myself in your guys' shoes, especially for something like the Ryder Cup. How irritate are those questions from the media? You know, all the things that you're trying so hard to either push out, maybe you're not pushing out, but you're not trying to focus on. You're not trying to focus on those storylines, and they're just feeding them right back to you. Does right. that does that get frustrating? Are there ways that you guys handle that best? Well, yeah. I mean, I think I was always. You know, when I got on tour, it was like, don't say anything bad about other people and just, you know, compliment them, but also try to stay out of the controversy. But some guys can't help themselves. Right. <laughs> you know, and that. and, um, you know, Boo Weekly, you know, made up a word. He goes, we're combatibating this week. <laughs> and everybody's like, what? You know, we're, like, because that was a big topic was, do you guys get along? Because, you know, Tiger wasn't there, you know, and. You know, he said that and everybody's like laughing, right? So all the center came on him and, you know, took the pressure. But yeah, you do get those questions and, and you know, how many times, how many, I mean, all these rookies are, how many times are you going to be asked? What's it like being a rookie on this team? Do you feel like you fit in? Do you, should you be here? You're a pick. And you know what, when, when they're out there, it, it all that stuff goes away, but you don't want to, it's hard, right? Cause you want to, you got to be politically correct, so to speak. You don't want to say anything that's going to give the other team an edge. It's kind of like NFL coaches, right? Yeah. When they're doing their press conference, <laughs> you got to be almost like a Bill Belichick. Yeah. Yeah. We playing sad. We're moving on to Cincinnati, you know, like yeah. kind of deal. Like yeah. just moving on to our match, <laughs> you know, nothing to say here. Well, so. uh, gentlemen, I, I wanted two last questions for you. Um, uh, Luke, as a fellow entrepreneur, I wanted to hear a little bit more about the wine business and what pairs nicely with the Ryder Cup this year. Because I'm going to settle in on Sunday. I'll actually be in Atlanta with some of our members. Oh, Atlanta. In. Yeah, it's, it'll be a little warmer. What's a good wine? Freak Nick? You going to Freak Nick? Oh, that's Freak in March. 
I don't know that one. Yeah. Ask about that when you're down there. Okay. Freak say, say it again. What was it? Freak Nick. Freak You could just Freak Nick. He's right, just, he's right to death. Yeah. <laughs> just <clears throat> use your imagination yeah. and go worse, and that's probably what it yeah. is. Uh, that's how you deal with Luke. <laughs> the wine business. What's that? I'm 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 trying to find wine that went missing with the trucking company, about twenty thousand dollars worth of wine. That's how it's going right now. Whoa. Uh what do you pair with? Yeah, it is what it is. It's all good. Uh brings it keeps us together. Um, supposedly. What would I drink with the ooh, the Ryder Cup? I'd probably start with some hard liquor, you know, get some hard liquor in the morning. Need have a nice glass spicy. of wine. Yeah, a little spicy. And then get a nice ga- uh, glass of cab. And then uh, at night, going, maybe have a couple of beers. Go around the world. American or are you going to go like French? No, 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 American. No, no. We're, <laughs> yeah. we're going no, we're, we're to stay American. Say, Cabernet. Yeah. Nice Cabernet from Napa. Yeah, Cabernet from Napa. Got it. Yeah, Keenan Wines, official sponsor of the Clubs and Corks podcast. <laughs> um, and Ben, this is another thing that... Our mission, one mission in New Club is to kind of uncover more hidden gems and tell some stories of golf courses. Uh, your family grew up operating Mill Creek, right. and and uh, I wanted to hear, um, is, are you, is it still under the family operations, or tell yeah. us a little bit about that place? Yeah, so 1972, my grandfather had this crazy idea of uh, building a golf course. He was a high school teacher and principal and uh, baseball coach. He actually won the stage and baseball um uh, back in uh, 1950 something i think it was 56 but he just wanted to move out uh get some farmland and build a golf course and so he designed it built it himself and then the year i was born in 77 the next nine opened up so i lived literally 50 yards away but yeah so he him and grandma they ran it and then when um their health deteriorated a little bit. They kind of turned it over to the five sisters. And now two of them have decided to retire and move on. And now mom and dad and the and my mom's two other sisters still are a big part of it. My brother's now working there some. And our sister, my sister-in-law, Jess, she's, you know, taking over a lot of the stuff that, you know, mom and dad were doing. My dad's still mowing the greens all the, every day. And yeah, so they they love it. They don't know any different, and uh, it's their life. But uh, it's very cool to something to be a part of, and you know, you know, family tradition, kind of so to speak. And have they felt um, this COVID golf boom for the most part? Yeah, they they've done well. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, well is not like you know it's it's still golf, and I'm sure green fees didn't like quadruple right. overnight, but it's been busy. Yes, it has. I mean, they had a record year. Um, and, you know, and not just obviously in rounds played, but just in other stuff, they, you know, a lot of small group, little league stuff were back full, full capacity, you know, be- a couple of years before, you know, the leagues was kind of like deteriorating, <laughs> yeah. deteriorating. And now that's just picked right back up. Um, so, and then outings, obviously they, that was probably the biggest thing that they didn't do much of but they're starting to get those back now more consistently and, and, uh, and bigger. So, you know, they probably lost out at what, three or four months of golf tournaments or outings because people didn't know he couldn't gather. Right. But they made <laughs> large up for group, it. but they made up for it and just play, but, but those are still big money producing, you know, guarantees kind of for the, the course. And um, yeah, so now they're looking to add on, I think they're going to do some simulators and, Oh, really? and things like oh, that as well to 
to keep people there year round. And as you know, in Ohio, <laughs> I mean, they're warmer than us. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they can play pretty much every, you know, if it warm, they can, they get a lot more play than here. I'd say they're, you know, five degrees warmer. So if it's, they got crazies, right. If it's 38 degrees, there's people out playing, you know? <laughs> so whereas here, they probably wouldn't be playing because it's 35, 32. Sun's like and they get more sun. We get lake yeah, effect, sun, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so it's just, they're very fortunate and lucky, you know, but it allowed them to make some upgrades, you know, buy new equipment, new mowers, new, you know, upgrade date. I don't think he's talking about doing the irrigation system again, you know, just, you know, putting money into that. So they, they just put everything back into yeah. the, into the course. They, they're not buying anything new for them. You know? They didn't buy a <laughs> vacation know? home you know? in like Putacana or no. stuff like that, but they're, they're putting it back into the course, which it needs, you know, as you know, golf, it's tough. It's, it's a labor of love, right? Yeah. I mean, you're not in it to make millions. You're in it to, yeah. you know. I tell people, if, if you're looking to enjoy your, your golf a little bit more, uh, I, I've enjoyed a lot more from having golf course operators on right. my show and just learning a little bit more about their world and all that's done so that we can get out there and, you know, chase the ball a little bit. And it's, right. it does help with your appreciation when you figure out, Man, people are really labor love, as you said, Luke. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, it's over time. I know we got other oh, okay. places to get to. Uh, I want to say thanks so much for coming on the bag drop. Uh, ben, childhood idol of mine. This is, you know, oh. check it off my list here to have you on the show. Luke, you're the, the hero I never knew I needed. So thank you for being with me as well. And uh, Clubs and Corks podcast, everybody. Check them out. Great guests. Great show. Um, keep, keep doing the work you guys are doing. All right. Thanks, Thanks man. man. Thanks for all the kind words and good luck to you. Yeah, good luck. Love hearing. I hear story. I see your dad every now and then. Hear the story, so it's great. Yeah, his, I his drink your brother's so sodas. You got to take you know half and, and divide it by two, but it's it's mostly well, he's true. the proud father, obviously. So he's. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's really cool idea what you're doing. I, I love it. So awesome. Thanks, and, and we could use a couple Northeast Ohio ambassadors in you too. So maybe I'll, I'll yeah. lean in. All right. I keep forgetting. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> he doesn't play golf. Yeah. I, I try to. He not others to play yeah. golf. He's got the academy now. He's, yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you are not a subscriber, please do subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we're at New Club Golf. This episode was produced by Mark Caldwell with research assistance by Jim Sitar. The Bag Drop is supported by members of New Club Golf Society and our official partners.